This is the DILF Podcast, as in dad, I'd like to friend. I'm your host, Kevin Selden, and welcome to our season one finale. It's all led to this, my friends. As you know, if you've listened to our first few episodes, I really struggled to find any kind of support network as a father when my son was first born. That was actually one of the main motivations for launching this podcast, to learn from other fathers, but also to see if other dads had the same experience of feeling lost and alone when they first entered the world of dad life. And as we wrap up our first season, it has become glaringly apparent that I am not the only one. And it's time to change that. I hope that this podcast has helped some of you out there to reach out and make connections with other parents around you, to take ownership over the fact that dads deserve support too. The kind of support and access to resources that is readily available to moms. That's why I am excited to welcome you as a member of the Dill family to join us in building a new community to support dads like you and me. If you want to learn more, visit allparentswelcome.com. And on that note, I'm very excited to welcome today's guest. This episode is truly the culmination of DILF's entire first season as we delve into topics from how to befriend fellow dads and build your support network to making the time for self-care in order to be the best version of yourself for your family. Let's dive in. Dan, welcome to the DILF podcast. I am so excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here, Kevin. There's so many topics I would like to discuss. I feel like we are kindred spirits. In so many ways, you're just intensely more masculine than me. So <laughs> what would lead you to what would lead you to believe that? I don't know. I've never camped before. I <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I feel like I just, every time I I see a post you make or I read one of these articles we'll talk about, I just feel like it's everything that I have been talking about for so many years. And I just, I love the vulnerability you put out into the world. And you are such an amazing presence for other men to see how important it is that we let down our guard. And I'd love if we could just begin by letting everyone know a bit about you and every man. Yeah, beautiful. So I am 38 years old right now. I have a beautiful wife and two boys. So my oldest boy is four and my youngest boy, he'll be two in a couple months. So we have a little family. We are out on the East Coast right now. And I have spent probably 1,500 to 2,000 nights of my life uh, sleeping in the dirt, sleeping in tents, sleeping under tarps. I used to be a wilderness guide for therapeutic programs I used to be an inner city high school teacher. I used to be a wildland firefighter. Um, I have been in uh, men's groups and been part of sort of a men's growth community in different ways for about a dozen years. Uh, I launched Every Man with a couple co-founders four years ago and have been on quite a ride with this ever since. And what is Every Man for those at home? 
Yeah, Every Man is a community of men. It's an organization that's dedicated to helping men come together to learn the skills and get the tools that they need to have a deeper relationship with themselves, a deeper relationship with other people and the world. And the the main sort of entrance or doorway there is vulnerability. So we learn how to slow down, we learn how to feel things, and we learn how to uh, speak, listen, and engage from a place of being connected to what we actually feel, which is actually really revolutionary for most men. I couldn't agree more. I, I've never been in a men's group. I've I've participated in a few thanks to Dan and specifically there was a dad's group that met and it was just a beautiful place after so many years of feeling like uh, I've always felt I have to bring down my guard in order to get yeah. others to, but it is hard to encounter other men who are even willing to bring down their guard. And it was such a beautiful environment to walk into. You know, one way I look at it or talk about it is that for some reason, for for many reasons, maybe men, dads, uh, have in some ways been habituated to not really be human, not be fully human by like imagining or pretending that we don't have feelings and that we don't have, you know, vulnerabilities. We don't have places where we need help. We don't need other people. And so, yeah, every man's really just a, it's a community where we just throw that out the window. We're like, come on, get like, get real guys. Like we're, we're human too. And we have all of these things that not only help us be healthy and feel good, but when we take these parts of ourselves seriously, we literally automatically become better partners, lovers, fathers, friends, colleagues, all of the things. Like it's, it's just like, we're kind of popping online in a more of a full spectrum human way. I absolutely love that. I, I think that there's something about the chicken and the egg when it comes to vulnerability in men where it's, I don't think that society allows us the space often to let down our guard. We're told to be more open and then there, the term man up comes around, you know, <laughs> toughen up. I literally spent half a decade plotting and planning to to start something, but I was just so scared. So here here is something that I know is all the way true is that when men just don't have examples of what it looks like or sounds like or feels like for another man to be vulnerable in a way that doesn't turn them off. And here, here's like the, the, the note to the world is this, is that if you want men to be vulnerable, show them what it looks like. Show them it's okay. Go first. Model it. And then they're like, man. That's that was awesome. Like I didn't know that was possible. It really almost is this sense of like I didn't know that was possible. It is that sense. Men don't know it's possible. I mean, we talk a lot about uh, the importance of support network for dads and how lonely it can be, but it, it goes deeper. I think it's it's a much bigger topic of just the importance of support network for men in general. And you, you're doing this collaboration with Healthline. And I'd love to talk for a second about Man 2.0, because I want to get into some of those articles that you've been writing. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about that. Healthline is a big, robust website that that does articles on all kinds of health topics. And so, yeah, I think it's probably four or five, six months now we've been doing this collaboration. And so I'm writing a monthly article on different topics that uh, reach men in their quest for health, generally in ways that are not traditional or not common, right? So we're talking about things like support networks, we're talking about uh, vulnerability, you know, all, all of the stuff that we've already started talking about here. And it's uh, it's been a really, really meaningful and fun forum to, you know, put down some 
not only thoughts, but uh, you know what we've learned through this process so far. The article I, I just read was "Men Need Friends Too." Here's how to make them. And what I loved about what you wrote was not just some of the stats. You know, like adult men have some of the fewest friendships of all other demographics, which is shocking. And, you know, people with more social connections are less depressed, have lower blood pressure and live up to 22% longer, which is an amazing stat. That's a lot, isn't it? It's crazy. 22%, that's a lot. You know, my God. But also like this concept, I feel like I am an extremely vulnerable individual. I do think that I do not exemplify what you mentioned earlier. I think that I can be too vulnerable, which can be intimidating and and can turn off other men. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes I have to, we talked about this in our pre-interview, I have to put on airs of walls in order to not push other men away because in my rare situation, I happen to be excessively vulnerable. That being said, you mentioned that making friends as an adult is hard and awkward. I think that is the case for absolutely everyone. And especially yeah. because all, all men want more friends, but really what they want is deeper friendships. And I feel like that could not be more true for me and everyone I've ever kind of broken through with. Yeah. So have, are you familiar with the phrase kicking the tires? No. So I, I think in your sort of standard American male culture, kicking the tires is is like your buddy comes over, uh, you both pop open a, a, a light beer, maybe not, maybe a craft brew these these days, I don't know. <laughs> but you like stand around and kick the tires of your car and you make small talk, you make like BS talk, right? And that is in some ways like the penultimate sort of uh, vision of what male friendship looks like. And it's, it's, it's just sort of, you know, small talk about nothing. And I, I don't do that. I don't have a capacity for that. Like, I don't, I, I just, it's not something that I don't have the, I don't have the patience for it. Right. Maybe it's 10 years ago, the movie, I love you, man came out with Seth Rogen. And I don't remember the other guy's name. Maybe Paul Rudd. Yeah, it was Paul Rudd. Yeah. So I think for anybody interested in this topic, it's worth watching that movie again, because everything I'm about to say was really brilliantly, um, you know, described and shown on that film. But friendship is really, 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 really important. And it's actually not that complicated to make friends. It's just uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable because what it involves to make meaningful friendships and, and not just make friendships, but deepen friendships. We have a, an equation that I love and it's vulnerability multiplied by time equals depth of connection or depth of friendship, right? So, so you can, uh, I think back to when I was a kid, I moved to a new town and I made my friends because there was these two kids who lived close to me and every day we'd walk home. Every single day we'd walk home from school together. And over the course of six months, we had enough time together that we became friends. Men, adults, most people these days, we don't have the time to put in. Maybe at work we do. And and that's where a lot of friendships actually do start. But we can subvert that need for a lot of time by going right to it by being vulnerable, by sharing who we actually are, saying what we actually feel. And it is uncomfortable, but if we can learn to be uncomfortable, we can start to make and build deep relationships everywhere we go. It's a superpower. It's a superpower that actually every single one of us can work on consistently everywhere we go. And it really is simple. It is getting more and more in touch with what we feel 
on a simple direct level and being more willing to just say that being like learning what it feels like to give more of our authentic truth to those around us. And it's when you do it a little bit at a time, it starts to build this ease, this ease of connection. And yeah, that like having somebody to call when shit hits the fan, having somewhere to go, people to ask advice to. Now I think about my, my closest friend, like my BFF, if I were to use that term, uh, is a guy named Aaron. And we lived in the same area in Montana for a long time. And I cherish him. I love him with my whole heart, you know, like behind my wife and my kids and my family, like he's right there. Like I, I love him endlessly. How long have you known him? When did you meet him? About five years ago. Five oh, years see, ago, that's, that's interesting because yeah. I think that is more rare in that so many of us have those lifelong friendships from adolescence. And it's because the shrapnel and, you know, wounds of life that I feel like become right. the walls that men put on, right. you know, as they grow, weren't all there in youth. And I feel like it was much easier to make those male friendships. But it makes sense that you would not have as much of an issue with that. You've been practicing and, and working on vulnerability for so many years that you could let down your guard as an adult. So I have a couple friends from adolescence, also actually one of them who I named already walking home from school when I moved to a new town. But uh, these guys, there's a particular joy. There's a particularly subtle and powerful pleasure that comes from that level and depth of friendship plus the time. So Adam, my buddy, Adam, we played in a metal band together in high school. He, we played football. I was the center. He was the guard. We like, you know, we played shoulder to shoulder that long ago. And now we've done many men's retreats together. He's gone through our training at every man. So we have like, I and mean, he's kind of my like super duper friend, right? So I have 20 years with him, 20 plus years with him, plus a lot of dedicated, vulnerable um, probing. It's like, uh, I'm rich. I'm a rich man. When it comes yeah. to friendship and, and connection, I am, I am a very lucky man. I feel like most of my closest friends came from summer camp when I was a teenager and they still are some of my closest friends. And I feel like, the joke I have, and I actually f fell into it in the beginning of this interview, is that we often associate masculinity with beer and sports and, <laughs> you know, and like, and being tough and not necessarily letting down your guard. And these are things societally and culturally have been descriptors that have been put under masculinity. I yeah. feel like in truth, and I just ironically, even though I believe this so strongly, made a dig at myself at not being as masculine because I don't fall into a lot of those cultural norms. But I do think that masculinity is more, especially in 2020, about being courageous enough to be vulnerable. I mean, it makes so much more sense that that really is what masculinity is about. I actually feel like for most purposes, I think throwing that term out the window these days is more helpful than not. Oh, instead of redefining, just eliminating it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because if we redefine it now, then, you know, 20, 30, 40, 100 years from now, we'll just, I mean, maybe it's fine. We keep redefining, right? But I, I do think that any prescriptive definition of masculinity at, at some point becomes problematic. Fascinating. It sets us up. It's a setup. And so I feel like if there were a definition for masculinity that I would sign my name on would be how much are you you? How much of your own truth 
are you willing to be? And to showcase to others. Yeah. Can your insides and your outsides be congruent? And if you identify as a man, as if you identify as a male, then sure, let's call it masculinity. Otherwise, let's just call it truth or honesty, integrity. Strength and character. Yeah. Ironically, that was, to me, the sum up of the article on how to make friends as a man was kind of show up as yourself. And I feel like that, that goes hand in hand with what you're saying. Show the real you and others will show the real them. And then you can actually make a connection. A hundred percent. And, and here's, here's the secret to that. I don't care who you are, unless you're a psychopath, like people will love you. They want to love you. Like, I mean, that, that's kind of like the, uh, the hidden secret here is that we want to connect. We do. We want to. So there's this amazing thing that happens. We've been doing retreats for years at every man, right? We get 50, 60, 80 men together for a weekend. And here's something uh, that happens every, and I'm not kidding, every single time. So the retreat ends. It's been wild and beautiful and transformative. Somebody comes up or they raise their hand. And they say, how did you somehow get these guys to come here? Like out of all the men on the planet, how could you have possibly got the most amazing men to show up here? So there's this idea that we somehow coordinated by cosmic chance, like these 50 most amazing men in the world. The reality is they're just normal dudes. But we're creating an environment for us to show our true selves. And when we show our true self, uh, it is insanely compelling. I don't care who you are, any of you, anyone. You show that, it is like in the right scenario where it's safe to do so and it's honored to do so. It's like, it's like boom, connection, friendship, admiration, honor, support. It is what's there and it's right beneath the surface and it, it's not some mystical thing to go find. It's if we slow down and we show up, it is our wiring, our human wiring. It's how we survived as a species. We need to be able to connect, feel each other and know what's up. And I feel like in order to truly connect, we have to show those things that are unique about us, which can only be shown by truly showcasing who we are. You know, not the generic things that we think other people will like. Yeah. You know, but the actual, the true gold. If you want to go to depth, that's 100% necessary. If you want that deeper connection, if you want that deeper relation, it's 100%. You're absolutely right. Because we can go surface and we can look across the, 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 the Walmart aisle and see, hey, you're wearing a, a, you know, a 49er shirt and I'm wearing a 49er shirt. Ah, yes, we're connected, right? Or we drink the same beer or, I don't know, slightly deeper, you know, we both have children or, or whatever that is. And, and that's – and I don't mean to disparage any of that. Like no, any, no. Any, that's any, nice any, too. Any, any connection is good connection. But yes, if we want someone to lean on when we're weak, if we want – someone to like that depth is available. It's equal to the level of risk of vulnerability that we put out. It's, it's that simple. Yeah. The other topic that I wanted to address with you, it actually came up in another man 2.0 piece. It's kind of seven topics mixed into one. It's the concept of priorities and balance, which is so hard in, in 
these chaotic times, but uh, self-care and how they all kind of go hand in hand. There's this post that you recently did on Instagram, and it was about the gift of quarantine for you was eliminating this constant tension of when you're leaving next for work because mm. you travel for work. And I, I totally felt that energy of things have changed so much. We're getting into this new norm with our family and getting more time with our kids. And I think that that actually can be a beautiful thing. But I have so many fears about when it goes back. It's already hard enough to be like, okay, I can't be with you right now because I have to go do work. And all I want to do is be with you, but I actually have to go to do work. Yeah. And how to balance and say, you're my number one priority, son. But simultaneously, I have to leave you now to do work. And what happens when it goes back to normal, What some kind of normal? How do we yeah. deal with that balance and find time for self-care mixed in with being an active member of the family? Yeah. So for me right now, I'm not going to go back to that travel lifestyle. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. I was on the road. I mean, my wife has probably tried to calculate it specifically, but you know, I was on the road a good 10 days a month, probably for four years. And before that, even more, actually my, my past career, I used to direct and produce a, a TV show called Meat Eater. And for as long as I can remember, I've been on airplanes and flying around and doing adventures and all kinds of stuff. So it's been my lifestyle. When COVID sat me in my chair and uh, I didn't have that horizon to, to escape, it was, I mean, it was hard in some ways, but honestly, it was one of the biggest gifts I think I've ever received. I think for many. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? And it, it, it is... Not a gift in just like, oh, yeah, it, it's, you know, somebody gave me a gift and it just feels good. It's been, they've been hard lessons to learn too. I was ignorant and unaware of my wife's sacrifice and how much she has given in the last four years to the point of, um, you know, I, we've, we've really come together now, but this summer, where it was a big period of healing between the two of us. And it, it looked like a lot of, you know, a lot of anger coming out, old anger. There was this particular time when every man was kind of flowering and flourishing. And I was invited to go on the Today Show. And the date for that was two weeks after the birth of my second son. And, you know, of course, I, I asked her, I'm like, what, is this okay? Do you think? But and I left, you know, and, and I left for almost a week because there was this other big opportunity too. And it wasn't okay for me to go. It, I shouldn't have gone. I should have figured something else out. She supported me to go. She didn't feel, you know, empowered to, to say no or, or, you know, whatever. We were both doing the best we could. But that was a really poignant example of, um, I don't know, you know, like me really not being clued in to my wife's needs, to my family needs, and not putting my family first. I think that's the one of the biggest, hardest lessons that I've been chewing on this year is that uh, for all of the good-hearted reasons I've had for doing what I've done, I haven't put my family first. And Hey, that's not just you. That's societal. And that's one of the things that, that comes from this bogus definition of masculinity, of this success that we're all supposed to be achieving and, and the level we're all supposed to be 
you know, supporting all those around us and not necessarily taking care of ourselves. Yeah. And putting our family first by monetary support and by hitting a level of success. And I feel like so many fall into that trap and on the deathbed, who gives a fuck about a lot of that? Yeah. And it's, it's hard. I mean, I know specifically for dads, I know one of the biggest, hardest things is, is how in the heck do you find a sense of balance? How do you still make the money? How do you still show up with your time and attention for your family? How would you ever find the time to take care of yourself? That's enough. That's meaningful. And so it, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. I just want to name that. It's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for all of the dads on the Everyman platform that I work with, it's it's not an easy thing. Uh, actually, just yesterday, it's a weekend, and I got a bit burnt out last week, and I I was not at my best Sunday morning, and my wife, she's like, listen, dude, go out to the cabin, go out in the woods, take a half day. And I the first thing I said was like, I feel really guilty. I want to, I need to, but I feel immensely guilty to leave with the kids. And she's like, shut up and go. So I did. <laughs> and I went out and I like I cut some wood and I meditated out in the woods and I read for a little bit and I took myself out to lunch and I tell you what it came back feeling like a million bucks on fire in love with my kids in love with her it makes a huge difference yeah oh man it makes what's bigger than huge whatever's bigger than huge that's that's how big it is but it's hard you know here's here's an interesting distinction that's come up in this last week is i think there's a lot of dads who who do have like a self-care routine who have a you know either they meditate or they work out or whatever they do to to keep themselves in line in check right but there's this pattern so we we go to work or family we burn ourselves out and then we do whatever we can just to kind of get back to baseline or just to i don't know it's not even really rejuvenation. It's just like survival, right? It's these tools we use to survive. And so yesterday was an example of me going beyond that, of me really taking stock like, okay, what will fill my bucket up so much to the point that that I'm not just scraping by, but I'm actually full. I'm actually vibrant again, like, like a full nervous system reset. It's unique to every father out there, like what that particular mix is. But I guess what's, what's been bubbling up this last week is, is that sometimes our, you know, our self-care habits, our routines, they get a little stale. And sometimes we need to really slow down and reconsider like what's going to make us okay. (laughs) You know, what's going to make us more than okay. Because my God, the stress is in the, it's real. Like life is real. Life is not, life is tough. Life is not easy. Yeah. I even feel like there's a barrier before that because we had a call a few months back and you were prepping to leave town for the weekend and you were excited. Mm -hmm. And then we spoke after that and you never got to leave town for your individual retreat. And I feel like there is a separation between men and dads, in my opinion, in certain ways, Mm -hmm. because my wife and I have a good relationship, but we started through this podcast doing these co-parenting episodes. Mm-hmm. It's like couples therapy for us. And there's there's been things that we had issues with that I don't think we even knew ourselves. And quarantine kind of forced us to look at it because I think it glares a, a very bright light on things that have already been here. You know, yeah, uh, basically exactly. that's what quarantine does in many ways. And I think we realized that a lot of the fights we have aren't really about the words coming out of our mouth. They're about other things that that were not really addressed. And when we went on that deeper level, I realized that I have my list of things to do. And once I get it all done, then I will take the moment 
for self-care. But the problem is you never quite seem to get to that step because there's always more to do. And I feel like the issue with dads, that's the added level is with a significant other. And I don't care about gay, straight, you know, how you identify the fact of, of the matter for anyone that has a partner is if it's not built into the relationship, then yeah. it is a very difficult thing because how can one partner make time for self-care and the other not? Because unless you are encouraging your partner to also make time for self-care, there's a resentment that builds up that stops either partners from taking it, you know? Um, you, yeah, ding, ding, ding. I mean, yes. Yeah. So and when I was single before I got married, I was a self-care master, right? I had it nailed, right? Like I had all the time to do it. I had a great yoga practice. I had a great meditation practice. I got regular body work. I spent time on like all of it. Like I just had it nailed. And so I went into my marriage just kind of assuming, you know, in many ways, naively when I got married, it was just like, well, I assume my partner will also do that too, or it'll look something like mine or, you know, whatever. And so even before we had kids, there was a difference in uh, that sort of resentment did build up. You know, I would, I would still take what I needed. I would just take part of my work day and I'd work out or I'd go to yoga or I'd do my thing. And I would be encouraging of her to do it, but it just didn't quite happen. And so there was already an imbalance there. And so, yeah, it's an, I think it's like, it's an equation. It's not a linear equation. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but yeah, it's, it's the balance of everything in life. It's just like, it's finding ways I have to literally put on a list for my wife. You need to take an hour for yoga today. I will take him, you know, and it's, it's hard, but I feel like I'm more apt to taking self-care than she is. And if she doesn't, there's really selfishly, there's no opportunity for me. And then simultaneously, she's more a joy, just like I am when we do. So it's a good model for our kids. So I feel like it's it's on us as dads to not only make sure that our kids do self-care and that we do self-care, but just as important that our partner does, which benefits us. You know, the greatest marriage thing we've ever done since we became parents was that for, um, man, almost five or six months. So this is pre-quarantine, right? Actually, right up until quarantine. Uh, we were living on a farm outside of LA, fairly close to Ojai, California. And so for almost six months, it seems like such a crazy luxury now. We took a date every Saturday morning. Uh, we had a, a babysitter come over at 8 until 2 p.m. And we would go to Ojai. We'd go to yoga. We'd go to brunch. We'd go for a hike. We'd make love. We would like all of the things. And I have never... I mean, the amount of goodness that was created from her and I taking, because it was more than just, you know, a three hour quick dinner date or something. Like we, we took that, we invested the time into us together, but it was also, we did things that were personally regenerative too. Man, was it good. <laughs> it sounds it. amazing. I miss it so much. Yeah. It was so beautiful. And so we've just started started opening the door to what that would look like now. And so what we've done a couple times this last few months has been taking a Friday afternoon off and, you know, just taking some time. And we've we've learned to – and actually, and on the topic of self-care, I think this is a, maybe a helpful point. But we've begun to employ, uh, you know, rather than an all or nothing thing, like we need a giant date every Saturday. It's like take what we can get, you know, and we can get two hours We'll just look at our calendar at the beginning of the week and like, oh, look, Wednesday, we both have two hours off here. Let's hang out. 
right? And so we've been a little bit more uh, guerrilla warfare style about it, but it's actually been really helpful. Like, I, I don't think she'd mind saying, but we had like incredible morning sex today on a Monday morning. <laughs> it's a great way to start the week. That's know? an amazing way to start the week. We started to designate that every night at dinner, we we don't eat with our son. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes, but just kind of give him food. I do bed routine. And then Laura and I will eat once he's down and we ask each other three questions. We actually came up with it on a podcast episode about connection Mm -hmm. and just, you know, what was the best part of your day? What did you learn from your day? And what are you excited about for future? And it just kind of starts the connection. And if we do that, you know, Monday through Friday, on Saturday, we take a date night. And usually it's inside. And a lot of times it's been, she teaches me how to cook something. And it actually is a very sexy thing that kind of leads to other things without forcing it. And I I feel like just mandating that time, you then can organically allow what happens in that time to occur. Yeah. Discipline with time is crucial. And that's part of what uh, the quarantine in just this last six months is I have uh, really come to grips with how sort of sloppy and organic uh, like I had been living a lot of life and so even simple things like right now like I do the morning routine with the boys before work hours usually we share it but you know having a little uh, morning routine on the board like you know we're gonna get up we're gonna go down where the boys are gonna do some cosmic kids yoga which is an incredible YouTube channel they're going to do yoga for 15 minutes while I make breakfast and then we're going to make breakfast and then we're going to eat it and we're going to get dressed. And just that I, I, for some, for some people, this might be, you know, standard just to have things really simply disciplined and organized, but we've certainly upped our level, our, our game of that lately. And uh, I think it's critical. It's, it's, it's crucial when, you know, professional and relationship and kids and just like, Man, we've we've also been going through some major like we've been trying to figure out where we're going to raise our kids like for the long haul, and in the midst of everything else, it was just this extra giant task that weighed on us, and we've now we've gotten through that, which is great. But how do you fit it all in, you know, yeah. and still get enough sleep and I don't know, be a good sane man? It's hard. I mean, something you wrote in that article about self-care that I also love, I can take care of very little when I'm not taking care of myself. And I feel like starting to realize that it's not a choice. It's not a luxury. If you don't find time for self-care, stress leaks out and you will scream at your kids. You will not enjoy them as much. You will not be as productive and you, you have this beautiful statement that I actually heard you utilize on one of the Everyman support groups. Is there anyone in your life that you think doesn't deserve to be healthy and good? You know what I'm talking? Will you tell about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think men, well, it's probably not just men. I'd be curious for others, all people to sort of weigh this also. But we put ourselves last. We put ourselves last. And maybe not in every way, but in a lot of in a lot of ways we do. If we had an objective mirror, if we had an objective lens to look at ourselves and could actually see how strung out we were and how exhausted we were and how we were speaking to our kids and you know, all of the different things, like we I, I think the natural reaction would be one of compassion, maybe some pity, but some yeah. compassion. And, you know, we like I you, you named it about our, you know, our I speak about my wife, like if she's run down and she needs some, some time or she needs like 
obvious natural reaction is like, man, let's get you that. Right. And so it's the same thing for ourselves. We, we often, and there's good, this is good. I don't think this is a survival mechanism. Like this is not necessarily all negative. I think one of the biggest themes in my work, both inside every man and outside is with dad specifically is that a lot of us are drawing a line in the sand right now. And we're saying, you know what, for the future of my family, things are going to be different now, right? Maybe the trauma or the stress or the way of life that has been passed down, like we're taking a conscious moment here to stop and say, hey, for whatever reason, I, I'm at this place and, I'm, and I do not want this for my children. I want something different for my children. And how we treat ourselves and how we treat the others around us is as key, is as key of a component to that as anything else. And so, yeah, you're right. There's, there's a lot of elements here. One is just like, you know, if you, if you don't change the oil in the car, the car will not drive forever, right? Like there's a very practical element here. And then there's also a, just a, a deeper heartfelt compassionate element. It's like, man, we don't want, we wouldn't wish these, this way of living on other people. Why would we think it's okay for us? Yeah, exactly. I love that, that concept of if no one else on the planet that you know deserves to be unhealthy and feel shitty. Why in the world would you deserve that? Why don't you deserve to feel healthy, to feel great? And I I love posing that question and then realizing that you are one of the people that you're talking about. You know, you (laughs) deserve it as well. This has been such a lovely discussion, hopefully the beginning of many. I feel like it is such an interesting thing to delve into the needs for men to be more vulnerable, to take care of themselves, to build their own support network, and how that evolves when you become a father. How it's as crucial, but it becomes more difficult. But in some ways, it's even more crucial, even though it's more difficult, because you need more support as you have more things weighing on you. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. It is uh, It is the biggest accelerator point in life that I've ever gone through, uh, becoming a dad with, you know, no matter like by a long shot, by a long shot, the biggest inflection point of needing to reckon with who I am and continue to grow up. Any final dad truth you'd like to leave us with? Yeah. I feel like on this topic of self-care, um, I have tried real hard, <laughs> like really, 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 really hard for the past four years to take care of myself. And I haven't done very well. I just really haven't, you know, I'm overweight. I'm far overstressed. The bank account is not where I want it to be. Like it has been way harder than I've probably let on, um, both to, you know, people close to me and out to the public. And it's it's just like... I'm grateful for it. I really am. I'm grateful for the, like, I know my children are loved. They, I know they know they're loved. Like in terms of the, if I were to have uh, set a mandate, like a fathering mandate of showing affection, verbal love, uh, creating safety, creating intimacy, I've, I've aced it. You know, I've done well. I feel confident about that. I may have over-indexed on the heart stuff and, uh, you know, in practical ways, I, I haven't, um, provided for my family in a way that, that, uh, I'm super proud of. I mean, we're okay. You know, we survived, but, um, 
it's hard. It, it, it's hard. And I'm, I'm excited to have a little bandwidth now that the boys are a little bit older and things are changing a little bit to, to live a more balanced father life. My, my, my dad life hasn't been the most balanced, uh, steady time. I will say though, to your credit, I think that it's hard to see in perspective and I could not agree more with you. I love my wife and son and, and I feel like I've let them down in certain ways. I'm not, I'm not enough. We're all so hard on ourselves, but I do think at the end of the day, when our kids look back, if nothing changed in your life, I very much doubt that your sons would see you as a failure professionally. I think that we have to remember that their priorities are very different than ours. Yeah. And as hard as we are on ourselves, I think if we're there and available to our kids, that's what they'll remember. Yeah. And I have no doubt that you are. Me neither, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty nice. Yeah. Well, this is a pleasure and we will continue this conversation more. And thank you for the time. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you for listening. And thanks again for joining us on this journey. Until next time.